Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Um, it's good being together this morning. Um, we've, we've lots, there's lots that we've already been through, even with the announcements. There's lots this morning that we need to press into where I sense with the word. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be mainly focusing on Ephesians chapter 4. I would love for you to open that with me this morning, uh, just as we go into this. A couple of things just I sense though, and I have sensed this week, that I feel is really important for us. I'm just starting my timer. A couple of things that I felt is really important for us to, to frame all of this within Um Everything that we have been pressing into and looking at over the last couple of weeks, and particularly even as we head there this morning into everything that we believe that God's speaking to us through this passage we're about to look at, a couple of specific focuses that I felt was really important. And if I'm being honest, one of my, one of my favorite verses, um, I've spoken on this quite a bit over the last number of years, but in Acts chapter 3, where Peter, James, and John, they meet this lame man at the temple, and they say these words to him, and you probably will have heard the song you were taught at growing up, no silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you, yeah, in the name, so that, that verse, but they just simply, Peter says these words, he says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. Today, what I sense that God is going to speak to us through this, and even in this series that we're looking at, is that God is entrusting and depositing certain things into your life. That actually this now becomes your mandate. What I have, I give. (laughs) What the Lord has given me, I now give away. What God is depositing into our lives. And one of the things that I've sensed the Lord specifically with me, particularly this, uh, in the beginning of this year, one of my main meditation has been, or I've felt the Lord, I've, I've been led to speak in this in different occasions, in different environments. I've been asked to speak. I've done a lot of reading on it. Certain podcasts that I've listened to it just ended up, it's kept talking about the same thing over and over again. And I sense it for us in this series one of the key focuses and for you to have a true understanding on is around this word, is your identity. It feels like um, for many of us, like when we began this series on Empowered, one of the languages and lines that we used was simply this as we looked at the parable of the talents. We said everybody is entrusted with something. And as we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, while for some of you it might be a new way of thinking, one of the ways that I recognize that can hinder or can stop people from fully stepping into everything that God wants to deposit into your life is because of around a misunderstanding of this word to do with your identity. How you truly view yourself, how you see yourself as a child of God massively can either encourage you or it can hinder you in that way. And so I, at the beginning of this series, we looked about certain things. We went back to Genesis. We looked about how we're all made in the image of God. We're all called to co-partner. And yet Paul, in this passage we're about to look at in Ephesians chapter 4, if we're setting it in the right context, this letter, as Paul speaks, what he does almost for the first couple of chapters, is specifically Paul wants to almost reinforce with the church in Ephesus about their identity, who they are. 
who God has made them to be. And he starts to just round it up and go a bit more widespread. And he speaks about them being a body of Christ. And yet in this over and over and over again, and I just want to just for a couple of minutes, just draw our attention to this. So right, you can read this later on for yourself in Ephesians chapter one, just over and over and over again. What Paul wants to remind them, and today I sense by his spirit, God wants to remind you today, this is who you are. Paul uses this language repeatedly, and he says this, you are in Christ. You are, as a Christian, as a believer, you are in Christ. I don't know if you've heard that language before. But this is what Paul wanted the church in Ephesus to wake up to. And he repeats almost what feels like these identity statements that he speaks over them repeatedly. And this is what we see. Let's just skim through these really quickly for time's sake. But this is what he says. And so some of these identity statements you could almost say today, I am. But this is what he says. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. He says this in chapter 1, verse 3. You're chosen before the creation of the world. You are holy and blameless. You are loved, predestined, adopted as sons and daughters. And verse six, he goes on to say that this is all to the praise of his glorious grace. You are redeemed, forgiven, rich in God's grace. You are wise, you are understanding. You are aware of the mystery of Christ. Verse 11 of chapter one, he says, you are chosen, you are predestined. Verse 12, he goes on to say this, all for the praise of his glory. Verse 13, he says, you are included, you are saved, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are God's possession in line for an inheritance. Verse 15, for all for the praise of his glory. And he goes on and on. And even in the next chapter, he borrows some of the language from the book of Genesis that we looked at about this idea of a poema, you're his poetry, you are his masterpiece. He talks about how God is, uh, God has got good works that are waiting for you. You're part of a new humanity. You're all made alive in Christ. You're clothed in his righteousness. And this all comes. And this is just a, like Paul is just massively just trying to just land all of this. And he says, all of this is because you are in Christ. You've been clothed in his righteousness. And this is the truth that this statement simply means for you, Right? All that it is simply saying is that as a believer, those who are now in Christ, seated with him, it means that everything that was true about Jesus is now true about you and has spoken over you. Everything that was true about Christ that was spoken about him is now true about you and has spoken over your life. And so because we are in Christ, things like Jesus' victory at the cross is now your victory. Because we are now in Christ, Jesus' freedom is now your freedom. Because we are now in Christ, everything that we see that is evident and modeled out by Jesus, even how he engaged with the Holy Spirit and this anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him, is true for you and is available for you. We are in the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And this is what our, how our identity is being formed in this way. Karl Barth he says this language, he says, Christians are now quite briefly described as those in Christ Jesus, or usually even more simply as in Christ or in the Lord. And they are described in this way because they are in him. And they are in him because Christ has adopted them into unity with his being, which means that in virtue of their baptism, they have put him on like a covering garment and must continually do so. As they are in Christ, they acquire and have a direct share in what God first and supremely is in him. 
what was done by God for the world and therefore for them in him, and what is assigned and given to them by God in him. All of this, all of this, all of this is just simply reminding us again that everything that is true about Jesus that we see for him, Jesus the man in the New Testament, is now true about us in the life of the church. We are his body. We are his people. We are hidden in him. We are saved into Jesus. And so for us, I just feel that it's crucial for us to just grasp this. And even as we continue to go through the series, but even everything today we're going to look at, if you have a misunderstanding of who you really are, many people who will try to speak down or think to themselves, I couldn't possibly do those things because I think I know who I am. And yet today you might have spoken that over your life, but today you need to hear the truth of the Father spoken over you and say, well, that's who you were, but now this is who you are. You're now saved, you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're in Christ. And because you are in Christ, all of this is available to you. And so for us, church, let's have a freedom even as we come to reflect on everything to do with us, these uh, practices that you see in the blue boards along the wall, we met with some, some of the guys in Believing and Belonging on Thursday night, and we took time to look at this. These are the practices that we see in the life of Jesus, and yet because we are in him, these are the practices that we desire just to see embedded in our lives because we are in him. It was this beautiful verse, Eugene Peterson's language, when we taught on this series, when we put these boards up for the first time, this verse we use repeatedly over and over and over again in Romans chapter 8, and it just simply says this, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. Listen to this line. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. Everything that we see in the life of Jesus was the original and intended shape and purpose for your life. This is why we are now hidden in him, shaped in him. And after Paul, and after my very long introduction to this, what Paul does is he goes on to almost try to just reinforce this. He starts to speak specifically into this passage. And so this is the context that Ephesians 4 set into. One of the verses that Phil referenced last week from 1 um, Chronicles 12, just to say where we're going with this. In the next month, we're going to just take time to really unpack this passage in 1 Corinthians 12. We want to give time to look at the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestation of the Spirit just to take time to look at two or three gifts each week, to take time to try and land us and to help you to understand fully what is available. And yet last week, Phil shared this verse. And so 1 Corinthians 12, let's just read the beginning of it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third teachers, and then he goes on to give a whole list of of other gifts. And today, as we come to look, we're going to see this language that is repeated. Let's turn in your Bibles, if you haven't opened started this passage in Ephesians 4. And Holy Spirit, as we open this, please, would you just help us to understand, give us ears to hear what you're saying, eyes to see what you're doing, in Jesus' name. Let's read this together, Ephesians 4. So this, it's very similar to the language that's used in 1 Corinthians 12, and a part is what we want to get to. But Paul says this, so off the back of this introduction, all around identity, all about them being the body of Christ, he goes on to say this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then 
I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. I love his language that he's just trying to grasp here. And he goes on to say this, but to each one of us, um, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Jesus has made decisions around how he apportions the grace and the gifts that we're going to look at today. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And this is the part where we land in today. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So in, in the verse that Phil looked at last week in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, he made reference, and you see them highlighted here, to these, these grace or gifts that were given. He says, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third teachers. And it almost feels like a very similar sort of list. So in this passage in 1 Corinthians, or in Ephesians chapter 4, it's the same sort of graces and gifts that are spoken about, but there's a couple of others that are added in. And here you see them in bold again, and in capital letters you see the same three, apostles, prophets, and teachers that are mentioned, but then another two of evangelists and pastors. It's interesting that elsewhere in in Paul's language, and even what we've looked at already as Phil explored last week in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses this language that just seems to almost try to emphasize that within us, and God's desire for us, that there would be a unity. There would be a togetherness. Part of the language that Paul uses speaks about equality. It speaks about complementary nature of every part of the body. In Ephesians 5, which is the chapter after where we're at at the moment, Paul actually uses languages even about the different relational spaces that exist between us. And he says this, submit to one another. As he goes in to speak about husbands and wives and about children and parents and about bosses and employees. And he says, uses this language, submit to one another, because one of the one of the key practices or the key ways that Rick tried to land a couple of weeks ago as we just looked really quickly over these we skimmed was about mutual submission. God's desire for us as the body is that we would submit to one another, that we would have such a love and a togetherness between us that we would truly be a people that submit. And yet, that's why then it's almost become striking that if Paul is keen for us to be a people that would be together, would be united, why then, in 1 Corinthians 12, does he, does he start using language like first apostles, second prophets, third teachers? Like, Paul, what's going on? If you're saying that we're together and we're all one and there's an equality that exists between us and about how we should submit to one another, why are you using language like first and second and third? 
It's almost like in our minds that we have this idea of, of ranking or order, like you would have a picture of the military. I was looking this up this morning because so, I, I didn't know all the positions. But like, so you have like a lieutenant that has 35 people under them, a captain that has 50 to 120 people under them, a major who has 120, the colonel who has 650 people or more. And in our minds, when we hear language like this, first apostle, second prophet, third teacher, where a man can go, oh, so Paul, you're now saying there's a rank order with this? Apostles are most important. Is that what you're saying, Paul? And what we need to understand is that Paul in no way is talking about things in that way. What he's trying to draw our attention to is an understanding of this. Ricky and Rick mentioned this a couple of weeks ago about divine order. Paul, rather than seeing leadership gifts as a rank order, which has the highest rank, he is instead talking about this. He's bringing us to a heavenly ordering of the gifts. This does not mean hierarchy, but it does mean ordering. So what we see when he talks about first is this. These gifts were first. Uh, they weren't first, sorry, in order of importance, but in order of impact. We're going to see that as we unpack these five full gifts that we're about to jump into now, we're going to see that actually the ones that were given first and were desired to be established first was because of the widespreading reach of this and what Jesus was calling us to as the church together. And today, I just want to take time. I don't want to confuse us and do like an information dump on us with this. I want to take time to allow us to understand that these gifts are important. These gifts are given to us as the church. And so today, as we come to this, this is this passage. So Christ gave himself the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body could be built up. And it goes on in this bit. The context of this, that God speaks over you all and over us all identity. Who we are, we are all in Christ. We have been made like Christ. We have been saved. We are hidden in Christ. And yet it's into this, as God is speaking, and what we see even in this passage as we're about to unpack it, this is not speaking about something that is hierarchical and, and suddenly in our minds to think, despair. oh, so what's the best gift that I need to get after? What's the most important? Because I'll aspire for that one. What we need to say is that God has just deposited these gifts. He's ordered them in a way in which they're released. But he's released these gifts to us as a body because he cares for us. <laughs> And he loves us and he desires to see us all grow up as the Christ, as the body of Christ. He desires to see us all thrive together. And this is part of how we see it. Because we are those that are hidden in Christ, what we need to understand is these different graces that we've talked about. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. These were the graces that we actually see in the life of Jesus. We're told here the language of it that as he ascended to heaven that he gave each of these gifts. And so we recognize this, that Jesus was the greatest of each of these. He was the greatest apostle. He was the greatest prophet there has ever been. He was the greatest evangelist. He was the greatest shepherd. He was the greatest teacher. But yet to us as the church, Jesus gives of these things to the church. He has given them to us so that we could grow to become more and more and more like him, that we could actually be the body of Christ. Not just an organization, not just a good club to attend, not just a great place to come and, yes, it's brilliant that Sarah's made this announcement. It's not just a great place where your kids can come and have a nice wee morning and you can feel good and go home, but it's, we are the church. 
We are the body of Christ. And so everything that it speaks about Jesus, this is what we are called to be. And yet probably for me, in my most simple way, before we go to look at these individually, these five gifts just as we finish, probably in my most simple way of understanding Ephesians chapter 4, I have understood these and I see them as leadership gifts. I see that there's a measure of these. I'm going to speak about this as we go through this. There's a measure of these that are deposited and available right throughout the body. But yet I see that these five gifts and graces are primarily evident and most apparent in leaders within the church. This is why leaders are called in this way to equip the saints. And listen, when I say the word leaders, I don't just mean people who are standing at the front or the elders. I'm not meaning that. Leadership is talking about anybody who carries an influence within the body. We all carry a measure of an influence over different people and in different ways and in different environments. Like Sarah's just made an announcement this morning. We need leaders within kids' environments. We need people who carry an ability. And and as we do this, we see that in leaders in a different way, our call is just to release these different ways and anointings within the body. And yet, while there can be a growing and maturing in these gifts throughout the body, we see and we recognize leaders who carry a different grace for them individually in their lives. I'm not going to take time today to reference, like name drop names of leaders in the church, because I think that could actually be the worst thing I could do. Because they see that God's desires to reckon or to release this. And yet I can safely say this because we all know him. Like so Phil. Phil, who we recognize just certain gifts and graces in his life. So for Phil, we would recognize but we talk about this and I'll mention him later. Like there's a fivefold office of a pastor on Phil's life. But what it doesn't mean is that suddenly Phil's the only one that does that. He's not the only one that's operating out of a pastoral gift or grace, but he is someone who is actually releasing and depositing more of that within the body to see other people equipped and to grow and to develop in those ways. This is the beauty of the fivefold. Some people are stepping in a higher grace within it, but the part of that is not to make something of them and to say that they're great, but actually it's to release this within the body and to see other people thrive. Let's, for time's sake, let's just skip into this, skip past a couple of these. Here's the five gifts. And for time's sake, I just want to just go through these individually. And then I want to leave space just for the Spirit just to speak to us just as we finish. But the five gifts, you might have never heard of this before. If this is one of your first times to church, I apologize for what just feels like an information overload. But this is important for us in terms of who we are. I don't know your background and where you've come from, but it's important for us to grasp fully what each of these mean for us and can release to us in our lives. And so with each of these graces, let's just take a couple of minutes just to go through them. Firstly, we see this, the apostle. Obviously, we recognize that as we read through this story of the Bible, there were the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. Obviously, Judas, uh, he, he dies, he hangs himself. Judas is replaced in Acts chapter 1 by a guy called Matthias. And these 12 apostles who walked and talked with Jesus, who were part of his ministry, they had a special mission to see the birth of the church, to write scripture, and in different ways like that. And yet, what we need to know is that the apostolic gifting and grace wasn't just restricted to them. The apostolic gifting and grace was deposited throughout the church. And so even so you can see and understand this, it wasn't the apostles, the 12 of them, we would 
almost Framer said that they're the apostles with a capital A, the 12 of them, these guys who were there at the very beginning. And yet the apostolic grace, when we say that somebody is an apostle in that way, beyond that we would give it a small A, semantics, it's just play on words. And yet with this, we see other people who carried an apostolic grace. For time's sake, there's their names, the Bible passages for each of them as you go through this. These were other people within the church in the New Testament that we see who carried this apostolic ministry. The word apostle just simply means sent one. These were the people that with these giftings, they keep the church focused on its original call to reach the world. These are the people that just keep constantly just driving and moving us to press into the new areas, into the new focuses and the new things. The, an apostle is someone who brings shape and architecture to the church, involved in helping to plant and establish other new churches and to see it grow. Again, it's first not in terms of importance, but impact. This is far-reaching. And so Christ is establishing this one first. As you see churches that are established, it's usually built on an apostolic gifting because this is the thing that will keep the mission front and center of the church the whole time. The mission of the church, we would always say this, for a, for a movement to be a movement, it has to keep moving. It's so easy to be a church that just gets insular, that gets cozy, that gets comfortable, and doesn't look beyond itself and doesn't try to press into new things. It doesn't see new people saved. It doesn't press into new areas. And so the apostolic gifting sees us constantly moving in that way. Here's what we're going to do just with each of these five. Just What you will see is that when people are carrying this gift, there'll be certain types of questions they'll constantly ask. Constantly when people like that are in the room with us, there's a certain type of focus that they would bring to conversations. Here's the type of question that the apostle would ask. Are we leading the people of God into their destiny and calling to fulfill the Great Commission? They will constantly redirect our focus from inside to moving forward. How are we moving ahead? How are we taking new territory? How are we pressing into new things? This is the apostolic grace that is upon certain people. Maybe some people within the room, you're recognizing a certain growing grace and anointing in your life for that. Next one is prophet. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look again at 1 Corinthians 12 more specifically and look at this gifting that's available. But leaders with this grace simply help us as the church to hear and see what the Spirit is saying beyond what's in the natural. The, the prophets bring the body into a divine focus. And what we see in the New Testament is that these first two, and this is why it says first apostle, second prophet, these two seem to almost just dovetail together. They work really closely together. We see the apostle and the prophet working together. The prophet will bring the voice of God to a situation. And this is part of the question that a prophet who's leading in this way would be asking. So are the people of God hearing his voice and responding properly? One of the other graces that's talked about, so apostle, prophet, evangelist is the third one. One of the key elements of an evangelist is just the verbal proclamation of the gospel. You will recognize this when people carry an evangelistic grace. Man, sometimes the, or the evangelists are the people that are just brilliant at conversations. It's like these are the ones that can just easily go and have a conversation with strangers and can strike up a conversation. And yet with an evangelist, you would recognize this in your own life. That evangelists are just the sort of people that when people are around them, they start to ask more questions. Tell me more about this God of yours. There seems to be an opening in their hearts and then within people's lives that suddenly starts to see the evangelists start to play their role. What easily happens though is that so with our, we have a great compassion ministry here in church. 
It's brilliant. And yet with compassion, it's, it's an element of mercy that comes with it. And what compassion starts to do is that it almost starts to open people's hearts and minds, and it starts to create an openness and a preparation for them to hear the gospel. But yet there still needs to be someone that tells them, have you heard of Jesus? As great as our acts of mercy can be in being kind to people, there still needs to be people that say, have you heard of Jesus? How can they hear unless someone tells them? Paul would say, and this is where the the gift of the evangelist comes in. People who carry this grace often, even in their prayers, will just be praying for the unlost or the lost all the time. One of the core questions that evangelists cause us to ask, and as their grace and anointing is around us, it causes us to ask us, are new people entering the kingdom of God? Man, in our our ministry oversight meeting a few weeks ago, this was the question that just suddenly took over the room. Are new people actually entering? part of the grace that we sense within us and that was crucial to frame it in that last two just really quickly shepherd pastors that just maintain a really healthy community peter wagner says the gift of a pastor is the special ability that god gives to certain members of the body of christ to assume a long-term personal responsibility for the spiritual welfare of a group of believers i i would recognize like these last two pastor teachers, I recognize, they recognize these more within my own life, if I'm being honest. And yet one of the things that I know within this is that with a pastor, casting vision is not top of his list of priorities, <laughs> right? Someone with this grace, like someone who is apostolic, that is going to be one of their top focuses. Like casting vision is a huge part of it. But with someone who is pastoral in that way, one of the things that will be priority for them will be communicating God's heart be caring for individuals. It'll be concerned. Are individuals actually growing in Christ? Are they being discipled in that way? Those are the things that are important. And as a church grows, this is why we need to see the pastoral grace released more and more. It's not just about one pastor, but are we seeing the pastoral grace released? And so within church, we have a wider pastoral care team. One of the ways in which we outwork pastoral care is through our life groups. And within our life groups, our life group leaders themselves operate, many of them, through a pastoral grace and gift. They care for people. And this is important as we see the church grow. And for many people, you will recognize this gift within your life. A key question the pastor causes us to ask is this, are the people of God receiving nurture and care? And then finally, as we rattle through these teacher. The gift of teaching is a supernatural ability to explain and apply scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, the Philip that last week said, teaching comes third. Again, not in rank or importance, but just in the ordering. So often as, as the apostles and the pastors, often as they break into new ground and new territory and new places, and we see new areas that are just one for the gospel, the teaching sometimes is really important to come next. Again, not in order of importance. The teacher's role is crucial. Teachers often distinguished, um, they need distinguished, sorry, more from preachers. I recognize this. I am more of a teacher than a preacher. I can unpack rather than proclaim a lot of the time. I feel for me, you know, that this is a difference between both. And interestingly, though, pastors and teachers, they seem to work hand in hand together. We see these giftings released. These are the fivefold. And yet what I want to just simply say, this core question that the teaching grace would often ask, what I just simply want to ask is this, just in these last couple of minutes, and with this, I'm done. 
I I realize that this you've heard a lot of information today, even in announcements and in sermon. And yet the reason why I started where I started was simply this. You are hidden in Christ. For each and every one of us, we need to recognize that as the body of Christ, Jesus has given these gifts and graces to us as his church. When I'm saying that you will recognize and identify these more in the life of leaders, what you need to understand, though, is that leaders, leadership just doesn't happen. People need to grow and mature into those things in their life. And so you might recognize some of these already in your life. This might be a season where the Lord is trying to grow and to mature you into many of these things and in many of these ways for the sake of the church. And how I just want to finish this, just if you just could with me, could you just close your eyes? I would just love for you to leave space just to allow the Spirit just to gently in His way just maybe identify some of these things to you. Some of these five gifts or graces to help you to see, do you recognize any of these even might feel like little embryos birthing moments of some of these maybe that you sensed in this last season in your life? I just want you to leave space and ask God, Are any of these present for me? Are there any of these that you're calling me to grow in, you're asking me to mature or to develop in? And again, not for you, but for the life of the church, for the purpose of the church. So just before I finish praying, let's just leave space just for 30 seconds. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? We are your body, Jesus. You've given these gifts and these graces to us. So I just pray, Lord, that you would help us now in this space just to identify and to recognize what you have already deposited or are even depositing and releasing even in this moment, God, over hearts and minds. So come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, what a blessing it is to be part of your body. What a joy it is to be known and to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that you have gifted and you've graced us to us. These five gifts, God, that through them, God, that all the saints could be equipped, that everybody could be released into everything that you have for them. And God, I just pray, Lord, that over us as a church family, God, I pray, Lord, that we would see these gifts and these graces release God and flourishing amongst us. God, I pray that we would be a people that would just be completely centered in you, Jesus, and your ways. And I just pray, Lord, that even in, in the stillness of moments, God, for people individually in their lives later today, over the course of this week, I just pray that, Holy Spirit, you would just drop seeds of whispers into people's thoughts and their minds. You would help them to identify this even within their own lives. And I just pray, Lord, for a heavenly confidence just to begin to rise over people. <laughs> I pray, God, that people wouldn't play safe with these, but people would actually step fully into them, God, for the sake of your church, Jesus. 
for the sake of your ways. And so I just thank you, God, for your blessing. Thank you for all that you've yet to speak to us, God, about the gifts of the Spirit. And God, in these days and weeks ahead, I just pray that you would just grow us and develop us for your name and for your sake, Jesus, today we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.